Welcome to episode 20. This is your host, Gabriel Murillo. And in this episode, we have Juan Ignacio Garcia. He's the founder of Pupus. And they have built an interesting model for supporting acquisition entrepreneurs. They're a fintech company and they're revolutionizing the way of providing capital to people like you and I, searchers and investors in small businesses. Juan has a tremendous trajectory working with a very, very large startup, Cavify in Latin America. And he's bringing all that financial infrastructure and knowledge to this ecosystem. They started less than two years ago and they already have surpassed the capacity to support over $100 million in loans and they're just getting started. So in this episode, we get to share about his model, what it takes to invest in companies in the online space, e-commerce space, what are some of the challenges as well, and more details about the specific offer that they have and how they really help acquisition entrepreneurs. So with that, enjoy this episode. Hey Juan, welcome to the show. Hey Gabriel, great to be here with you today. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to talk to you. It's the first time that I'm bringing somebody that serves acquisition entrepreneurs. So you have a pretty interesting story. So, you know, to get started, I would love to share a little bit of your background. Of course, I want to talk about what your company is doing, pretty innovative product and startup. But I would love to hear a little bit of your professional background. What were you doing before launching Bupus? Sure. I, I was the CFO of a company called Cabify, which is like Uber for Spain and Latin America. And before that, I worked in private equity, investment banking, and I was an engineer. So I, I guess that I'm, I'm kind of a tech guy, but also a finance guy. And back in 2020, I decided I wanted to start my own company. And I learned about all these aggregators that were buying companies based on data that they were pulling from the Amazon marketplace. And I found it really exciting. So I started kind of learning about the space, talking to business brokers who had all these businesses for sale. And I learned that actually there was the, a big pain to solve, which was that many, many buyers didn't have cash or didn't have funding for acquiring the businesses that they were after. So there were a lot of talented people that were just out of the market because they didn't have the right partners for, for funding. And that's in late 2020, I, I started Bupos to help all these people acquire businesses by providing them M&A financing. Wow, what an interesting time, right? right? Is it right before COVID, after COVID? or Right after COVID, yeah. In October 2020, last quarter of 2020, yeah. A lot of exciting things happening in the Amazon marketplace, which is where I, I started to look at, at business acquisitions. Congratulations. Yeah, that's a huge milestone and, and just an example of what can happen when you're determined. So great. And it sounds like at some point you were exploring the acquisition path for yourself and your team, like buying businesses. Is that correct? Before launching this company? That's how it all started. Actually, I, I was about to buy a business. I was backed by a big Spanish equity investor. And it turns out that after the due diligence, these guys just dropped me. And I, I was left without the money and without the company that I wanted to buy and in a very bad situation. And I learned that this didn't happen only to me. It happened to many people. So I, I wanted to kind of build a reliable source of funding for all the people that were looking to buy businesses. And actually, something interesting is that from that initial stages, we developed an underwriting model or a, an analysis model that serve like as the embryo of our current analysis model. Yeah, so so that's kind of the one of the biggest challenges that searchers are always 
going through, like how much due diligence they do, how much work they do even before deciding to go into business. So it sounds like your team used that experience to now develop that unique advantage. And is that something that you do for only the listings that are in kind of your ecosystem, or you will also do that for deals that somebody will bring to you? So I guess that there are two ways where we source deals. One of them is we work with direct, directly with the business broker. So we pre-approve deals right as they go out to the market. And we have a, an extensive list of pre-approved business, businesses. And that's very useful for people who are kind of scouting, exploring, searching. But also we, have, we work with buyers that just come directly to us because they, have already, they, they already have a deal uh, in the pipeline. They're under LOI and, and they're ready to, to close. They just need funding. So both ways can, can, yeah, can work. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, makes sense. Okay. Now, in terms of comparing the two different models, you mentioned that there's all kind of different companies out there or, you know, funds or, you know, they call it search funds and whatnot that are funding search, you know, acquisition entrepreneurs. And do you see some clear obstacles for a lot of those models that, that sets you guys apart? So most of those models are based on equity because in the end, you're starting from scratch and it's understandable that people just want to take, I mean, they're taking the risk with you, so they want the, the equity. And then if you go to the debt side, then you will find options that usually require personal guarantees. So you have to kind of put your, your personal assets at, at, at risk, which is a big burden for, for an entrepreneur. So we're kind of, we sit in between. We have a, a, an option that is, debt and that it doesn't require personal guarantees. So we take the both the, the best of both worlds. Yeah. And what are what are some of the challenges that you're seeing kind of in the industry, meaning specifically financing this type of deals with the you know foreseeable future with all the projections that people are doing, the economy may collapse and whatnot. What are some of the challenges for your company and even for acquisition entrepreneurs? Well, I guess that it's, it's a good time for buying a business if you think of it, because multiples have, are, are going down or, or at least we're starting to see multiples going down. So if you have cash and you have a, a good financing partner, then chances are high that you're going to find some opportunity. But, but the challenge is that there are many businesses that are not performing well. And that's, that's a reality, especially in the e-commerce space or, or consumption-related niches. That, that's a reality. So you have to make sure that you can either turn around these businesses that are not performing so well, or you invest upon the assumption that, that all this will pass and, and things will revert to normal. And then you price that in, or you're very selective and you just look after businesses that are performing well, which, which they exist. I mean, they, there's still opportunities of businesses that are doing pretty well. So you have to be very cautious, very selective, and, and make sure that you're, you're buying the right thing for you. Yeah. Now, you come from the tech world, the startup world, where just like the aggregators that you mentioned, they're going to, they're going to become unicorns and whatnot. When you were evaluating the potential opportunity of the current business you're running, versus buying a ton of businesses. What was kind of your thought process and what made you decide to go with, you know, growing a startup and going through supporting others instead of doing it kind of like on an aggregator model? So I basically I got into the space and I, I was willing to play in the space and I learned that there was a big pain to solve. And I, that, that was kind of what, what opened my eyes. I thought, well, we have to solve this pain. We have all these people that don't have access to funding 
And this is much more scalable. It makes a lot of sense. There's like around half a million businesses, are, small businesses are sold every year in the States alone. And, and, and that's a huge market. And most of those people are, are risking their personal assets for, for buying that or are just diluting themselves in the, in the cap table or giving away equity. So we felt there was a big opportunity and, and much bigger than, than owning businesses. I mean, we're, I'm, I'm, I myself, I'm a tech guy. I'm a finance guy, but I'm, I'm not an operator. I, I don't know much about buying things in China and, and selling them. So I, I thought it made much more sense for me to, to focus on, on, you know, partnering with the right operators and the right people. Yeah, it's still a lot of complexity. And it sounds like that's one of the challenges for the aggregators. It's still you experiencing the operator. Is that something that you're also finding a challenge for the people that you're supporting? You know, like you, you it sounds like you don't necessarily focus too much on only the personal finances or the professional background. You do focus a lot on the business performance and the financials. But is that a con concern for your team or for your investors? Like, how much of this, you know, clients that you're supporting have the the right knowledge and expertise to keep up with, you know, this business that are buying? So our underwriting is built out of two separate pieces. One of them is the business, and we have a specific way of analyzing businesses. We look at, at the performance in terms of sales growth, in terms of margins, in terms of the amount of advertising they're spending. We look also at, at operational metrics. It depends on the type of business, but it, it could be customer stickiness, could be positioning in the Amazon marketplace for an Amazon. And then the second part, the second piece of, of our underwriting process is underwriting the buyer. So what, what do we look when partnering with the buyer? We make sure that the buyer is Talented, I mean, talented means that they have the right experience and the right skills for acquiring the business that they plan to acquire. So, for example, someone who's after buying an Amazon business should have exposure to managing Amazon businesses. They should have a track record of potentially owning and buying businesses, not only managing them. And it's a combination of all those factors that make us bet on a specific buyer. It's, it's mostly about their management capabilities rather than their credit score or their credit history. Understood. Now, you guys have been around for, like you mentioned, almost two and a half years. And recently you raised over $30 million to do what? What's your focus with that capital? Are you guys just using that primarily for the lending side or is it more for finding deals and, and, and kind of supporting and customer acquisition pretty much? Well, we're, we're a lender. We, we work with business brokers, which is a, a pretty interesting orientation channel because we partner with them. We help them close deals faster. And at the same time, they send buyers away. So it's kind of a, a very symbiotic relationship. We don't have to spend that much in customer acquisition. So it's mostly for lending. It's money that is kind of deployed in, in, in our clients and our customers. Yeah, and there's also, I think, partner in, in the UK that is providing even more capital. So it's a, it's a over 200 million, I think you said at one point, that you have available for, for the next few months. So we have, so we partner with a fund called Fasanara, which is a UK credit fund. And so that's where, where our funding comes from. And yeah, these, these people work with 250 originators across the world. And they're able to fund programs up to 200, even 250 million. So we expect to extend the, the amount of funding that we have in, in the next few months to, to keep on lending. 
Well, yeah, that, that's going to keep your, your team pretty busy. And it's exciting for the community that, that it's listening, that there's a lot of opportunities, a lot of support if you have that level of infrastructure and partners. So what would you say are some of the ideal clients for you guys? Is it is, is there a size of business that it's better than others? Or what's the ceiling? It sounds like after businesses that are $5 million in asking price and more may not be your target, correct? But w what is the other end of the spectrum when it comes to smaller deals? So our ticket ranges from 100K to 2 million right now. And actually, we, we expect to increase the upper cap as, as we grow. And get to, I mean, we, we like to focus on the smaller end of, of deals because in the end is where we can add more value. But yeah, over time, we expect to fund deals of up to potentially 5 million. Right now, between 100K and 2 million. Now, that's our ticket. So that means that you can buy a, a bigger deal because or, or close a bigger deal because you will have the ability to obviously use your own equity. We request, actually, we request buyers to you to deploy cash equity, at least $1 for every $4 that we that we lend. And you can also use the seller note to complete uh, the full capital stack. So in the end, with $2 million from us, plus potentially, I don't know, half a million from the, from the buyer, plus half a million, a half a million seller note, you can end up acquiring a $3 million business. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, very. it sounds like the sweet spot that a lot of the search community and the people in our community is targeting. So I think this can be very helpful. Yeah, now, first of all, again, congrats on, on the success. It's exciting to see. I also come from the tech startup uh, world, and it, it is pretty cool to see something innovative in this industry. So congrats to you and your team. Now, switching gears to talk a little bit more about some of your cases. Let's start with defining how do you go and explain to somebody like revenue-based financing. I'm very familiar with it for, with with the e-commerce model. There's you know this company core. There's one a huge one called ClearCo, but there's like dozens, if not hundreds, of them. And it's very easy to explain how revenue-based financing works. I can tell that it may be a little bit trickier to explain it in in acquisitions because there's a lot of moving variables. But how did you go about explaining your model of revenue-based financing for acquisitions? So we chose revenue-based financing for, for our loans because they, it, it aligns incentives between, between the lender and the borrower. So if the company performs really well, then you get repaid earlier. If the company performs not so well, then you as a, as a lender will have to wait a little bit more and, and help the company go through that. And we thought it made a lot of sense to do that for, for acquisitions because in the end you're acquiring a business. You, you never know where that's going to take you. In the beginning, it usually takes some time to have everything set up in place and migrated and we thought it was a very convenient type of, of, of loan. What's the difference with the clear goals and, and the likes in terms of, of what we do? Well, it's, it's a product that is specifically tailored for acquisitions, which means that it's longer term, it's higher amounts, it's, it's also secured by the assets that are being acquired, so in the end, with a working capital loan from whichever of these platforms, you won't be able to, to fund the acquisition price, which is usually a, a big amount compared to the, to the annual revenues or to the profit of the, of the business. But with our loans, you, you will be able to do that. Other than that, it's pretty much the same. You will repay with a percentage of sales until a certain amount is, 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 is paid out. And that's pretty generous, again, for what you guys are offering. It's pretty unique. You're taking a lot of risk, and at the same time, you're protecting yourself. So when it comes to the covenants and 
are you guys protecting yourself can, and can you expand on, on that so yeah we do have a covenant so we make sure that so let's say that the company is down year obviously if you don't pay the loan that's an event of default but other than that we have a covenant uh which is that if for five consecutive months the business goes down 20 percent year over year then that's an event of default and uh, so why is that because we want to make sure that our guarantees which is basically the assets that we lend on are not impaired beyond repair right a business that is going down 20 percent by for five consecutive months is a business that is definitely underperforming and, and something needs to be done so we have to make sure that that those things that need to be done are, are carried out yeah so in, in an example a business making a hundred thousand dollars a month well that means that you know it, it will go down to less than eighty thousand dollars a month and at that point you guys will trigger that that coming in and take some actions to help recoup and maybe liquidate the assets is that correct that's how it is we have to i mean it has to happen for five consecutive months which means this because at some point in time you might run out of inventory or something might have happened with the platform and then you will see revenues going down for one, maybe two months. But then if it's five months in a row, then that means that the business is definitely not doing well. And, and yeah, something has to be done. Got it. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, let's talk a, a little bit maybe about some of the case studies, example, without having to get into specifics. That's always something that we do at the show. We keep it very high level. We don't get into names uh, to protect you know, your clients and whatnot. But if you can share some of some really cool case studies of you know, acquisitions that have been able to be funded by your, your team? So, yeah, I like a lot of a business that we lent on with a buyer that was very, very, very strong in terms of management skills, in terms of track record. So he's, he's a software engineer. He's got his team of, of engineers, and he's always looking for acquiring businesses. Actually, he owned three businesses already before we helped him buy another one. So he was after something specifically to solve his needs in terms of building software. And we found this, this business that was listed at, at a broker called FE International that was a tool or a suite for developers that use a specific coding language. So this was a business that was growing very strongly. That, and, and especially what we liked the most about it is that it had a very, very sticky client base. So customers were using the service for, for a very long time and they didn't move to alternatives. And also they didn't spend almost anything in, in advertising. So that meant that it, it was kind of word of mouth or, or very organic growth. Uh, so we had a very strong buyer. We had a, a very good deal. And, and obviously we had a, a broker with whom we had a, a very good relationship. And, and by the way, the broker had introduced this, this buyer to us because they knew him from previous deals. So it was kind of everything kind of put together, made a lot of and and, and it was very, very good for us. The, the, I would say that's the prototypical deal. But you know, I got I think I, I got better stories in terms of, of the ways we, we help. For example, we have another deal with this broker where they just they didn't have a buyer at all, even if it was a, a good company. And again it was another software and, and we were helping someone who was also in the software space scout for businesses. We had already been working with, with him for three three months. And so this was the perfect opportunity. And we managed to clo- to strike a deal and, and close it in, in less than 20 days. So it was amazing for, for everyone. Wow, very cool. Congrats on that one. And since you mentioned there's a deal structure to it to make sense, there's got to be 
some skin the game from the buyer and the things have to align, but your team is pretty quick in terms of reviewing the deal. So I think it's something about 48 hours or less that you guys can kind of uh, review a deal and just provide some feedback. Yeah, so the way it works is we can approve in or pre-approve in 48 hours. So we, we're very quick because we analyze deals as if we were entrepreneurs. So in the end, we look at the p we look at the ratios, we look at the operational indicators, and with that, we can pre-approve. So in terms of funding, what I can say is that we're never a bottleneck. Usually the buyer wants to perform the diligence on the business and negotiate the APA, and our closing process takes a week or even less if you're agile in, 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 in completing everything. So, yeah. Very interesting. Great. So, yeah, in terms of the, for the people listening, we'll have the links on, on the show notes. Earlier this year, I was looking into learning more about the process, and one of the your team members' one was super, super helpful. So for you guys listening, guys and girls listening, there's some females now in the search fund community, which is exciting. Highly recommend you guys check it out. Now, talking a little more about the revenue-based financing industry, have you find a lot of obstacles in terms of regulations as a business in terms of lending for this particular type of products? Or do you have any limitations on states or something like that? Or has the U.S. kind of regulatory system been helpful to you in some way? (laughs) Before getting to that question, I'm interested in what you said before about guys and girls. This is a, a very masculine space. There's a lot of men doing this and not so many women. And we have a specific program for, for women-owned businesses. We partner with, with an impact fund in, in, I mean in, in 2021, in late 2021. So we have a specific program and, and we're more than, than happy to, to fund women as well. But yeah, that aside, in terms of regulation, we are a regulated lender in, in California. In, some, in, in most of the states, you don't need to be regulated for lending to, to businesses. So in general, I guess it's pretty manageable. But in some states like California, you have to be regulated. In some others, there are restrictions to the amount that you can lend. I mean, if you lend less than a certain amount, then that kind of makes you closer to consumer finance. And then it's a, it's a tricky thing. So in, in some states, we might be restricted in, in terms of the amount that we can that we can lend at the lower part of the of the range. But other than that, I mean, I, I guess that the regulation is, is pretty open and pretty flexible to, to new business models. Very, very interesting. Yeah, I think that's one of the, again, creative innovation, what it's doing to the financial system and, and acquisitions. There's still so much to develop. And just to add on on what you're saying, yeah, I'm part of a group Biden Bill from Walker at the acquisition lab. And yeah, I think a month ago, there's a female that joined that close. There's another one that is in, under LOI. She's buying a agency, a seven-figure agency. And I, I just feel super excited because like you mentioned, there's 250 people on the group and less than less than 5% are female. So it, it is going to require some of that work that you guys are doing, like partnering up with people that are promoting this and really showcasing an opportunity in the past, just like in the startup world. I remember five years ago when heavily into the startup world, there was a ton of programs all over for supporting female entrepreneurs. Now things are moving and shaking, you know, shaping, and there's a whole lot more involvement and females are definitely dominating a lot of different startup either ecosystem or funds. Yeah, it's super cool to see. Actually, there's somebody in this startup community that I'm part of, uh, Startup Chile, back then I was part of that ecosystem and she ended up now raising a fund 
focus on a black woman, Latina uh, woman entrepreneur specifically, and she's doing revenue-based financing. So yeah, it, 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 all it takes is really supporting the the community and providing the opportunities. Next thing you know, this group of people that were not necessarily provided a lot of opportunities, then they start freaking dominating and it's super cool to see it. Cool, yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's way to go, yeah. Exactly. Well, great, Juan. Yeah, anything else that you think you, we should share about either your process or your company that we haven't touched base on yet? I mean, we're here to help. Our mission is to help as many, many business buyers as possible. So we're an open-ended fund and we're happy to, to partner with people. I mean, I guess that probably one last message is that you might want to engage with us earlier on in the process so we can help you. So you can understand what, how our financing works and the, the structuring considerations that uh, do we take it into account. And we can help you scout businesses and so you can see how it fits within our underwriting model. I mean, if, if you just want the funding, then that's okay. But we, that's a value that we're adding that right now that might be helpful. Excellent. Well, again, Juan, thank you so much. Congrats on such a innovative startup and wishing you the best for you and your team. Thank you, Gabriel. It was a pleasure to, have to be with, here with you today. Thank you so much. And again, the links that will be in the show notes is episode 20 of Invest in Scale. Until next week, it's your host, Gabriel Murillo.